Let's get into the Word of God. Let's just pray before we start. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. Lord, thank you for the great time of praise and worship we had. Thank you for ministering to us. Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's your Word that also changes us. Lord, and we surrender to your Word, Lord, Lord this, the, this morning. I would say, do what you need to do. Speak to us, change us, guide us, transform us, correct us, train us, whatever you need to do. Lord, may the Word of God just, just, just have its work this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking the last few weeks at looking at um, theology, which just means the study of God and, and understanding who God is, and call this series From Theology to uh, Reality. Because you know, God just doesn't want just to know about him. There are lots of people in this, in this world that may know about God, or, or certainly think they know about God, anyway, but may not, but don't necessarily serve him, right? So it needs to actually become a reality in our lives. Our, one of our key scriptures being James 2.19, where James says, you believe that there is one God, good, it is good, <laughs> but James's point is, well, it said even demons believe that and shudder, even demons know who God is, so the point is, James wasn't calling anybody a demon, <laughs> but what he was saying, just saying is a belief isn't enough on its own, because even the demons believe who God is, but it's a, it's a, in, a, in a Christian life, it needs to be more than just belief, or understanding about who God is, but it needs to actually be a reality in, a, in our lives, that makes sense, There's, they're two very distinct uh, distinct things. Amen? And over the, last, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the, the, the five main attributes of God. Um, last week, we looked at the fact that he's omniscient. He's, he's, he's all-knowing. He, he knows everything about you. His understanding is beyond measure. You know, there's no knowledge that can be discovered that God doesn't already know. Whatever science is discovered, what anyone else discovers, it's not something that is a shock to God. Everyone agree, right? It's something that God already knew. Humans, as humans, we're just discovering what God already knows, Right? And, but the most important part of that is, that is that God knows you. God is being all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows your family. He knows your job. He knows your spouse. He knows your finances. He knows your hopes and your dreams. He, know, he knows your challenges. Nothing is a shock to God when we pray. Remember, we're not giving God information when we pray. Okay, God wants us to pray because he loves the prayer of faith. He loves it when we trust him. So absolutely should pray. But it's not giving God information. Right? I don't agree. Right? But it's not stuff God doesn't already know. Now, you are so, so wor- worth you, know, you have a huge value to God. You're so, um, you know, of high worth to God. You know, he said that we've been bought at a price. Amen? You know, and you're so worth, so worth, you have such a high worth to God, sorry, you know, because he knows you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, as Psalm 139 says. You know, you knit together in your mother's womb, even when you were just a, a fetus, a, a baby in your mum's womb, and had, we had no knowledge of consciousness whatsoever, and you don't really remember, seem to remember anything before you are about three or four, do you? you don't seem to remember anything before that. I don't know why. Um, but we didn't really have any consciousness of anything at that stage. You know, but, but God knew. God already knew who you were. I give you a plan and, and a purpose for your life, and he could already see how your whole life panned out, how all, you know, what every decision you were going to make. God is all-knowing. Amen. You know, God wants that to transform your relationship with him, the fact that he knows everything about you. Praise God. We look at the fact that God is immutable. That means he never changes. He changes in the way he does things sometimes or often does, but his character and his nature do not ever change. He's not, God is not fickle or temperamental. No, great. That's good to know. Isn't it? God is not affected. He's not affected by the weather. He's not affected by circumstances. He's not affected by the time of the day, the day of the week. He's not affected by hormones. He doesn't have any kind of you know, uh, issues in any sense. God is totally constant in who he is. Aren't you glad about that? Amen? That God is not, is not a human, that he's just kind of all over the place. Which we can be sometimes as humans, can't we, if we're honest about stuff. 
He, he, he is totally fixed in who his character is and who his nature is. And that's why he can always be totally relied upon. Now, human beings inevitably will let you down. Sometimes we let ourselves down as well, don't mean to be honest. But other human beings will inevitably let us down at some point. But God will never, ever let you down because his character and his nature are totally fixed. Human, and humanity, will, sometimes we make bad decisions. Our character can change. Our, na- our, nature, our nature does change. And sometimes that's why we can't always be relied upon. Although God wants us to make us more like him, of course. But, but God can be totally relied upon. Never judge God by human, um, you know, human characteristics. Amen. God is God is God. He's so perfect in his faithfulness, faithful through every situation. And remember the fact that God is eternal. In other words, he's always existed, he always will exist. He's totally self-existent. He has no beginning or end. He's not, he's not created. God has a, t- in a total eternal perspective um, on, on everything. God can see, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is pretty scary. Um, it's a great thing, but also scary at the same time. God knows, even knows all the future decisions you're going to make. He's seen all the ones you've ever made. He knows the ones you're going to make today. He knows all the ones you're going to make tomorrow, next week, and in 10 years' time. And he knows how they're all going to pan out as well. That's quite scary, <laughs> scary but at the same time, also gives us a lot of security, doesn't it? In our life, and in God's hands. Amen? But let's, have a, let's be people who have an eternal perspective. That's what we talk about, making it a reality in our lives. Be, be eternally focused. Remember that... that this kind of 80, 90 years we have on this earth is, is tiny compared to, compared to eternity. Let's be eternally minded amen, in decisions we make in our lives. So if you missed last week, that's what we kind of talked about. You can go back and listen to that. So what I want to talk about today and in the coming weeks is I want to talk about, talk about the Trinity. So again, this is kind of foundational uh, doctrine. But these, so we're not just doing it for the sake of that, but doing so this becomes a reality in your life. Amen. So it's stuff that we can apply to our lives and should change our lives. You know, so the Trinity, of course, is the concept that, that God, is, God is three. It's kind of mysterious, isn't it? And I'm not going to deny it. it is mysterious. It is. And, and I, would, I would go so far as to say, well, if God, isn't, if God can totally be understood or comprehended by us, well, is he even God? God, by nature, is going to be a bit mysterious, right? Because we're just like human beings with created brains that God has created himself. No, but we're not God. And if, you know, if we could wrap our head around everything that God was and is, would he, would he be God? Well, probably not. Right? So it is, it is a bit mysterious how it all works, but God is, God is three persons. God is the Father, God is the Son, and, and God is the Holy Spirit. They're, they're all God. It's not, it's not a hierarchy, and they're all God. Everyone's good with that. Amen. It's the foundational Christian, uh, Christian doctrine. Amen. And you see it right throughout the Bible, this whole concept of who, who God is and how he outworks. Amen. Let's start right at the beginning. Genesis 1. That's a good place to start. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. Uh, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and, he, and the darkness he called light. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So the word there that's used for God is the first time God is, the word for God is used, obviously. This is the first verse of the Bible. The word isn't, it's not Jehovah, it's not Yahweh uh, in this context. The word here for God is Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, and it's, it's a plural, why this matters, it's a plural word, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it talks about the Holy Spirit there. The Spirit of God is hovering over the water, so the Holy Spirit's mentioned. You know, Jesus is not a created being. I agree, right? Jesus has always been, always will be. He's, he's the Alpha and Omega, uh, it says that in Revelation, Jesus talks about before Abraham was, I, I, I am. He's making very, very clear uh, who, who he was, and he's always been and always will be. Amen? New Testament has a lot to say about this as well, and there's loads, obviously loads of scriptures we look at. We're not doing a whole like, morning just on, 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 the, on the Trinity itself, but I just want to bring some aspects out of it. 
the baptism of Jesus. John 3, verse 13 to 17. It says this, And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So that's John the Baptist, obviously. Uh, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out, up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So at this very key moment where, where Jesus uh, was being baptized, you see, you see the Trinity here in operation. There's Jesus being baptized. There's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And as, as God the Father speaks from heaven, he says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can see this in, in the Great Commission. You don't need to be long in family church to know the Great Commission because we talk about it loads. But again, it's mentioned here, Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 to 20. Therefore go and, Jesus' last words before he went up to heaven, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Amen? So, and there's loads of different examples we, we can use. So the word Trinity itself... Uh, is not in the Bible. If you ever talk to Jehovah's Witnesses, they'll try and trip you up on this, because I, I have talked to them. And, not by choice, they knocked on the door. Um, they, have, they will try and trip you up on this, because they say the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And they're, they're quite right. I mean, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. But, but the Trinity is just a descriptive word of the reality. And I use some of these examples of the scriptures just read uh, to talk about this stuff. You know, Jesus, it made, Jesus made it so clear who he was, right? If you see me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. That's not something a human being can say. Or a, create, or a created being can say, amen? Jesus was very clear about who he was. The Jews, the Jewish leaders totally understood who Jesus was saying he was. That's why they wanted him dead. Because in, in Jewish law, if you claim to be God, that was blasphemy. So, so what the, Jew, the way the Jewish leaders, and obviously a lot of Jews were also following Jesus, but the Jewish leaders who were also very jealous of Jesus, the reason they wanted him dead is because they saw it as blasphemy. They totally understood who Jesus was claiming to be. They totally got it. They didn't, obviously didn't believe it was true, but, but they totally got that he was claiming to be God. That's why they wanted him dead. It's like, this is blasphemy. They couldn't stone him, um, which is what the Jewish law said, because obviously they're under the Romans, so they had to go to the Roman, uh, Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and that's why he was you know, crucified, because that was the Roman form of execution. So um, they couldn't do what they wanted to do, which was to stone, stone Jesus. Okay, but the Jewish leaders totally understood who Jesus was claiming to be, right? And totally got it. So it's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. How this kind of works out, in reality, is a bit mysterious. Now, we don't believe in three gods, seven agree. Okay, we only believe in one God. You know, the first of the Ten Commandments is worship the Lord your God and, and Him only. We don't worship three gods. Okay? We, we, only, we only worship one God. Amen? But it operates in three different ways, or three, three persons, or three realities. Amen? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what I want to talk about today specifically is about God, God being our Father. What does it actually mean that God is our Father? We know that's true, we know that's what the Bible says, but God wants, with all these things we're talking about, to be a reality in our lives. Not just something we just know about, like, yeah, that's a great concept. Now, what does that actually mean, that God is our Father? Amen? God wants that to outwork in your life. So I want to look at four different aspects uh, this morning of God, of God being our Father, and, yeah, just draw out some stuff, see if we have time to do all four. This time's going quick. But there's four uh, planning to look at. And yeah, I believe it's going to speak into your hearts this morning. Now, before I get into this, I don't, I don't know what your experience is of your natural dad. I don't know whether your natural dad is still around, uh, whether he's passed away. 
or what your experience was with your natural dad. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because so often our, our own natural human experience can be affected by what's, what's uh, so our, our, our vision of God or our view of God can be affected by a natural experience that we've had. Now, maybe your experience with your natural dad wasn't great. Maybe, maybe it was amazing. Praise God for that. Maybe, maybe it was somewhere in the middle, or maybe it, was, maybe it was terrible. Maybe you don't even know who your dad even was. It might, it might just be a reality. You know, so, 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 yeah, so yeah, maybe it wasn't a great experience. What I would say, though, is if you, even if you know it wasn't a great experience, you do know what a great dad should look like. And I, I would say that everyone knows what a great dad should look like. So if, even if your experience was bad, what you've learned through that experience is this is not, that's not what a dad should look like. I know what a good dad should look like. Does that make sense? Okay? So don't let it cloud our view of, of who God is. Amen? Because to go back to what we were saying earlier, human beings will let us down. And your dad may have let you down terribly. And, or he may have been like the best dad on the face of the planet. And, you know, awesome, if that's the case. Okay? But don't let it cloud. Your, if you had a bad experience, don't let it cloud if you have God. And if it's stuff you're still struggling with, God wants to heal you of that, absolutely, as well. Amen. Okay, so let's get into that. What, let's look at God the Father. How does this outwork in our lives? We're going to look at four different aspects of that. So first, we're going to look at the Father's love. The Father's love. 1 John 3, verses 1 to 2 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So you see this right throughout Scripture, don't you? The fact that the, as a father, God loves us. Amen? That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Amen? And, and that we are children of God. Those who have accepted God into their life, that we are now children of God. We've come into the family of God. That we are unconditionally loved and accepted. That's an incredible concept, isn't it? That it's completely unconditional. Amen? It's not, it's not based, on, based on what we do because um, you know, God loves everyone, even if they're not Christians. And John 3.16 makes that clear. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, didn't come into the world but to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God, God loves everyone. Because it's his creation. Amen? And when we accept God into our life, we then come into the family of God and we can really understand and have a greater revelation of that love that we're totally unconditionally loved and accepted. Amen? That we are a child of God. That is amazing that we are a child of God, isn't it? Uh, we've been, there's other scriptures we, we look at that talk about the fact that we're adopted, we've been adopted into the family of God. And in, in, in Jewish culture, in a way Jewish culture worked now, and I'm sure this is true in many cultures now, including our own. But in, in, certainly in Jewish culture, if you, if you were adopted, it was as if you were a natural child. There was no difference whatsoever. I'm sure this is true. If any of you have been adopted or have adopted, then, then this is true here as well. But certainly in Jewish culture, when it was, when it was written and this stuff was talked about, there was no difference if you were adopted. You, you gained everything that you would have if you were a natural child in the way inheritance worked, uh, in the way you were loved and ex- accepted, and the way you were part of the family. It was literally identical. There was no difference. And that was when it talks about the fact we're adopted. That, that's our point. Amen? That we've been adopted and brought into the family of God. We have all the rights of, the, of inheritance, amen, that God has for us. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen? You know, all children want to be loved and accepted, don't they? You know, I've... I observed this when I used to be a teacher, and, and you soon learn this when you become a father, that the children want to be loved and accepted. Amen? One thing that children love 
unnecessarily love, <laughs> maybe they don't love, but certainly need, um, is boundaries. And we're going to talk about boundaries in a minute uh, and stuff that God also does. Amen? You soon learn that again as a teacher and you soon learn that as, as a parent, that kids, kids need boundaries. Everyone agree, right? That kids need boundaries. Now, they may fight, do everything to fight against them. Absolutely. That's often what happens. But often the reason children do that is they're just, all they're doing is finding out where the boundaries are. Because boundaries actually make kids feel very safe and secure. Amen? So often what they're doing is when they, when they act up, is what they're doing is just testing where the boundaries are. Uh, but if kids who have no boundaries, then you get a whole lot of issues you may experience. Or maybe that was an issue you know, when you were growing up yourself. But anyway, but that's part of, part of God's love, but we'll come on to that in a second. Okay? But we are a child of God. God you know, we can know the Father's love during every season of life. Maybe you're going through a tough situation. Maybe you're going through a, a tough situation in your life right now. You can know God's love. He's always with us. In, in engine room this morning, we, we, we talked about the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, and Annie had a word for, kind of for us in engine room. It's about God is with us in every situation. He wants to lead us, and he wants to guide us in every situation. Amen? Whether you're going through a valley, whether you're in, whether you're in green pastures, whatever the situation, we can know the love of God. Amen? And 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. For everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Amen? God is love. So as we have a revelation and an experience of, of the love of God, God also wants that to flow through us and, and out, to, out to others. The scripture talks about, um, it says in the New Testament, in one of Paul's letters about you know, how the world will know that we're true believers is by our love for one another. Amen? But as, a, as, a, as we experience the love of God, then it can flow through us um, to others. Amen? That same kind of unconditional love. You know, and all the kind of crazy stuff that's going on in our world, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world, right? And people are doing all kind of crazy things. There's a lot of confusion, and it's just, a, it's, just, it's just very, very messy, isn't it? And you've got to watch the news for five minutes, or just, you just know this in your own experiences, <laughs> of your neighbors, your work colleagues, all kinds of people, are just all kind of crazy stuff, aren't they, these days? There's just so much, there's so much confusion, and very little understanding of spirituality of any, of any sort. Um, I'd say that's the biggest issue, certainly in, in Britain. Anyway, it's that people just have very little aspect of, uh, or understanding of any kind of spirituality, or there even is a spirituality. People get that we're a body and we're a soul, we have a mind, a will, and emotions. We start talking about spiritual stuff, and people are clueless. And I don't mean it in any kind of rude way. They just need their eyes to be opened. And they're just kind of like, well, this is something I know nothing about. I don't, don't understand this. What, what are you talking about? Amen? But, you know, everybody, everybody needs God. So how, how do we react to the world? Do, do, do we love the world? Don't we love what they do, but do we love... The world. Remember, that's the way that God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Let's allow that love to flow through us to others, that love and, and acceptance. Remember, there's a big difference between uh, loving the sinner and loving the sin. That's exactly the way God is. God doesn't love our sin. I agree, right? God doesn't love our sin. That's why he, he sent Jesus. But God loved us whilst we were still sinners. Christ died for us, Scripture says. Amen. So let's love the world in the same way. Allow that same unconditional love from the Father to flow throughout to others, amen, because it will you know, be a very attractional one. People start asking questions, why do you accept me in this? You know all these things that I do, why, why do you accept me? It just, it just generates conversations, it's, it's, it's great. But let's love the world the way God loves the world, amen. So number two, so that was number, Father's love, we're going through these pretty quick. You could spend a whole week, probably a number of weeks on each of these, but anyway. Number two, the Father's compassion. The Father's compassion. God is a compassionate Father. 
I'm so, I'm so, I'm so pleased about that. He's, he's not a harsh, he's not in any way a harsh father. Psalm 103 verse 13 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, God, God cares. As a father, he cares. When we're going through tough situations, even when we make silly decisions, God still is a God of compassion. That is amazing, isn't it? Even when we do things that are silly, God is still a God of compassion, a father that, that just loves us. Because remember, his love is completely unconditional. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. One of the best examples of this, I think, is, is the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 17 to 24. And we know, we know what happens in, the, in this parable, this amazing, profound parable that Jesus teaches. which is all, It's all about the love of God and the love of the father. And, and the son asks for his inheritance and... And the father reluctantly gives him his inheritance early uh, and basically just squanders it all kind of crazy wild living and prostitutes and all kind of crazy stuff. And, and eventually runs out of money, runs out of friends because he's run out of money. So he's just kind of on his own. He's living, among, he's living in, in a pigsty and living on the pig food. Don't forget, obviously, for Jewish man as well, the pigs run clean for Jews as well. So this was like, this was like, the, lowest, this was like the lowest of the low. Like this is the worst place you could put. I mean, Pixar's not good to anybody, but for Jews, this was a, this is like a. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like people would not want to even associate with him because he hangs around with pigs because they were seen as unclean. They were unclean animals in the Old Testament. Okay, so he was kind of at the lowest of the low, but then he starts to come to his senses. So Luke 15, verse 17 to 24 says this: When he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven." And against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still, remember the whole purpose of Jesus telling this is to illustrate basically how the father works, right? And how he, how he thinks towards us. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I get the, the, the impression, I think you can read between the lines. It says, he, it says while his son was still a, a long way off, I believe his dad was outside every single night. Just looking into this, is, is my son uh, you know, coming home today? This is the way God looks at us. This is his compassionate heart. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. What a, what a great story that is. Incredible. About the compassion and love of Father God. This is, this, is how, this is how he works. And this is the same compassionate heart he has towards you. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? Even when, even when we mess up, even when we make silly decisions and do things like, oh, man, what did I do that for? Even when maybe we've gone down a sinful road or there's some, some habits going on in our life, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. This is an incredible reality, isn't it? 1 John 1 verse 9 says that. Amen? God wants you to just, to just to know this reality in your life. To know the compassion and acceptance of the Father. If you've, if you've kind of gone off, a bit, gone off a bit of the track in your Christian life right now, may not have gone as extreme as his son, or maybe you have. I don't know. Or maybe, or maybe that was your past life before, before you knew God. But God has such a heart of compassion for you. And if you've gone off track right now, God is just so willing to accept you back. He's, just, he's waiting there with open arms. Just visualize this story of what God is doing here. The Father is desperate for you to come back. He's not going to judge you. In fact, he wants to have a huge party when you come back. That's 
what, that's what Jesus said. Amen? Praise God. That's amazing. And um, I'm, we're not going to have the verse on screen for this, but you see, if you read further onto the story, then a really interesting thing happens because it's the prodigal son's brother. He gets really annoyed uh, by the whole thing, doesn't he? <laughs> um, it's like, why are you having a party? This guy, this, my, my brother is like, Dad, he, Dad, he squandered all the inheritance. How could you just accept him back like nothing, like nothing ever happened? How, how can you do that? You'd never have a party for me. I was kind of to woe is me, kind of jealous brother mode. Um, and it's just interesting. But I think what Jesus, the point that Jesus is making there here is, that, is a, real, a real great point on the difference between religion and relationship. We know that Christianity is a relationship. I mean, everyone agrees. It's not, it's not a religion. You know, so when people ask you, sometimes people may ask you in your life, are oh, you religious? And we, we would, as Christians, as Pentecostal Christians, we would say, well, no, we're not religious, wouldn't we? And you get that weird look, and you that really confused look. We were like, well, hang on, I thought you were a Christian, but you're not religious. It's like, it's like it just doesn't make sense to them. And I, and I, get, I get why. Okay. But we know that it's a relationship. But basically, this is what Jesus was illustrating here. Is the attitude of the brother was like religion. And, and the attitude of the father, what he was showing was relationship. And that's, that's the contrast that Jesus was making here. The brother was like, he can't be accepted he, he, he squandered all the inheritance. He's wasted all this money. He's made these ridiculous decisions. He's humiliated, he's humiliated you, Dad. He's made all these stupid decisions. How can you possibly accept him back? You know, that's what religion would do, wouldn't it? Well, religion just tries to make it all about jumping through hoops and trying to, trying to gain some acceptance from God and trying to make yourself, make yourself perfect and you know, maybe you'll go to heaven. You know, Christianity is totally different. Amen. We know that we can never, ever meet God's standards. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's all because of what Jesus did. We're not trying to, we're not trying to earn God's standard. Amen? If you are trying to earn it, I, my encouragement as a pastor is just stop trying to earn it. Amen? I'm serious. Because you're never, ever going to meet that standard. If you're trying to feel more loved and accepted by God, just, just, just stop trying. Just, just, just allow him just to, just to pour out his love and compassion upon you. Amen? You can never be more accepted because it's all because of the cross and what Jesus did on, on the cross. And we'll talk, I'll talk about that in future weeks, about, about Jesus being God and how that works in our life. But specifically looking at the Father today. Amen? But God wants us to outwork in your life. He wants you just to know his, his compassion. Amen? He loves you so, so deeply. More than we can even comprehend and wrap our heads around. And if you need to get some things straightened out in your life, just get them straightened out. It's fine. There's no, there's no judgment. I'm not going to judge you. God's certainly not going to judge you either. No one else here is going to judge you. Let's just get it straightened out. Just come home. I mean, that's what Jesus was saying here. You just need to come home. God will have a massive party, you know, when you do come home. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just waiting for that, for you to return. Praise God. Okay, so the Father's love, the Father's compassion. Okay, the Father's love and the Father's compassion. And number three, it's a bit of a different one, this one, a bit of a scary one, this one, but it's stuff we need to talk about. We're not just going to talk about the bits of the Bible that we like and not talk about the bits we don't like, because that's not healthy, right? It's the Father's discipline. The Father's discipline. Oh, here we go. <laughs> scary. But that's all part of being, it's all part of being a parent, isn't it? Whether you're a father or, or a mother, obviously, is, is discipline, isn't it? And... Understanding that we talked earlier about, about boundaries and so there are consequences if you don't, if you, you know, if you go beyond beyond those boundaries, that's going to be a reality. And any good parent, you know, would do that. So for your kids to grow up in a healthy way to understand understand right and wrong, it's not something kids are just born with. They don't just know, do they? You know, if you've got a, a two-year-old, they'd go happy play on the road if they want. If you let them, wouldn't they? They would. 
they, they, don't, know, they don't know any different. Uh, oh, cars, these, these are good. No, but that's not going to end well, is it? You know what I mean? They have to be, have to be taught. They're not, they're not born with it. They have to be taught it. And, and that's true in the Christian life as well. Amen? You know, it's, it's stuff that God wants to teach us, and there's things that we um, need to understand about, and about boundaries, and that's stuff that you know, God wants to protect us, protect us from. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 8 says this, And you've completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son. It's funny, because it says you've forgotten this word of encouragement. The next bit isn't really very encouraging. But anyway, <laughs> depending on which way you read it. Anyway, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Wow. Interesting. And we can't just ignore the bits of the Bible that are harder. We have to apply it all to our lives. Amen? Yes, yeah, so there's, there's been times in my own life where, where God, is his father, as my father, has had to correct me in some stuff. And I've made decisions that, that, that I wish I hadn't made, to be quite honest. And, and, and God has had to allow me to go through some things, or maybe I've made some impetuous decisions and, or without kind of thinking it through and, and praying it through. Um, certainly been times in my life when I've been self-reliant. Uh, I think pride has probably entered that, which is the basis of self-reliance, thinking, you know, thinking, you know, or I've got it, or I've got life figured out. I, I know what I'm doing. Basically, pride is the, is, the, is the root of that. And God's had to allow me to go through some stuff in order to, in order to teach me about that. But basically, who is the boss? As we were talking about earlier, who is the boss in all this? You know, we say, let, my, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, but is that a reality in our lives? Easy to say, but much harder to apply. Yes, yeah, so sometimes God will discipline us. And sometimes God will allow us to go through things. I think as a, as a, as a principle, I don't believe God is the author of sickness. Just so, just so there's no confusion about that. But I do believe that God will allow us to go through certain situations. And, and God will use those situations in order to teach us about trusting him. Absolutely. Amen. There's plenty of examples in my own life, as I said. Let's be people who allow other people to speak into our lives. Some of those corrections can come through other people. They could be pastors, they could be friends, they could be other church leaders, people that you trust, your own spouse. Amen. Allow them to speak into your life. Amen. Sometimes we just need to hear the truth, don't we? We say about you know, the truth hurts. <laughs> Sometimes the truth does hurt, doesn't it? Because it's stuff you don't want to hear <laughs> in a marriage. Uh, Ian and Lauren are laughing. Something's going on there. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, I just noticed that. Sorry, um, draw attention to it. Um, but it. But it's true, isn't it? it, it it's true in a marriage. Sometimes the, 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 the truth hurts. Sometimes the stuff as, as a husband you have to say, and as a wife you have to say, which just needs it just needs to be said. <laughs> what I was going to say. Uh, it, just, it just needs to be said, doesn't it? And, and the truth does hurt sometimes. Uh, as men, this is so often true as well. We just need to be told sometimes the reality. Especially if we've got a bit of pride or there's a few issues in it or we've been a bit of a know-it-all or etc. <laughs> then sometimes we just have to be told the reality of what's, go- what's going on. The important thing is, is, to, is to listen right? and do something about it as well. So let's be people who allow others to speak into our lives. That can be the voice, that often is, is the voice of God speaking into us. We need to correct, correct thinking, do uh, some correct decisions that we're making. If you've got some massive decisions to make, I'd encourage you to get good counsel. Come and speak to me, come and speak to Wendy. Come and speak to people that you, people that you trust. 
Let's not make random decisions. Let's not make impetuous decisions. You know, I'm at the age of 45. I, I don't want to look back on my life and, and make stupid decisions. At the age I've got to, not old, is it? What is old these days? Ian's 45. No, it's not old, is it? No, old. No, old. I don't know what is old these days. Who, who knows? Middle age doesn't say to start to about 70 these days, does it? Anyway, that's why I'm, that's why I'm sticking with it. Anyway, anyway. I don't want to make, I'm, I'm serious, I don't want to make stupid decisions. I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm just saying this because I'm a dad and a, and a Christian and a husband. I, I don't want to make stupid decisions. I, I genuinely don't. And if that means someone's speaking to my life and there's people, I'm, as a pastor, I'm accountable to, I'm a client to Pastor Andy and Pastor Stu as well in terms of, in terms of my role. But I just want to be accountable to my wife. Um, even my kids speak into my life. <laughs> they do. I'm, I'm serious. They do. Amen. Let's, but let's be people who allow people to speak. Let's be teachable people. Amen. Because remember, the father disciplines those he loves. What kind of parent would never, ever discipline their kids? If a, go back to the analogy of a, of a kid playing on a, on a road. You know, if, if, if you've got a two-year-old child and a parent allows that two-year-old child to play in a road, they are a terrible parent. Everyone agree? They are not a good parent. And probably social services will probably get involved very quickly if they're aware of it. Right? You're not a good parent. Right? Everyone agree? Because you're, you're not doing what you should do as a parent. Amen. Because you, you love that child, just because you love them, you don't let them do whatever they like. Because it's actually going to seriously damage them, or well, the potential of serious damage. Actually loving them is actually protecting them. Does that make sense? So that's the same, same way that God is. God wants to protect us from making bad decisions. And also the word of God itself, as well as allowing others to speak into our lives, the word of God corrects us, amen? When we, when we look at our life compared to the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? So that's the purpose of the Bible, is, is to teach us and, and, and also, but also to rebuke us and correct us and, and to train us. So let's be people that allow the Word of God to do what it needs to do. If we're challenged by Scripture, brilliant. Let's, but let's do something about it. Let's allow it to, challenge it to change our thinking, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen? It's allowed us to outwork in our lives, and there's a whole lot of stuff that God's had to outwork uh, in my life. Amen. But remember, when God corrects us and trains us and rebukes us, it's all driven by the fact He loves us. This goes back to His love and compassion. Remember, it's always driven by that. God is not rebuking you because He's angry with you, it's because He loves you. He wants to protect you, He wants to, he wants to change you, He wants you to become more like Him, and He wants to stop you making bad decisions. And that's why He puts boundaries in place. Amen. Okay, final, final point, I know time's going, but the final one, Father's provision. So if we look at his love and his compassion, the Father's discipline, the Father's provision. Matthew 7, verse 9 to 11, Jesus said this, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, and this means evil in comparison to God, God wasn't call, Jesus wasn't calling us evil people, but if compared to God, we are, in that sense. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? So God, basically, the essence of what Jesus is saying here, to paraphrase, God just loves blessing his kids. We are, we are his children, and he loves blessing his kids. If you, if you are a parent, and hopefully this is true in your life, and I know you can't always give your kids everything that they want, because <laughs> things will cost money, right? Um, and, and spoiling your kids is not always a good, it's a good thing to do anyway. But either way... As a parent, you love blessing your kids. So you want the best for your kids. They want them to have everything that they need. Can't always have everything they want, but certainly have everything they need. You want them to be protected. You want them to have a roof over their head. You want them to have plenty of food. You want them to do well in education and all that kind of stuff. And you want your home to be a place of safety um, and security. Amen? 
because you just want to bless your kids. You want them to have the best possible opportunities they can, they can have and to be the best kids that they can possibly be. Amen? And to feel safe and secure and all that kind of stuff that goes with parenting. But if we understand that as natural parents, and hopefully you do, we all get this as natural parents. Amen? And maybe it wasn't the way we were parented, to go back to what I was saying right at the beginning. It may not have been. Okay? But don't let that cloud your view of God. Again. Amen? Because it may not have been the reality of the home that you grew up in. It may not have been a place of safety. It may not have been a place of security. It may not have been a place of, of provision. It may be a reality. But don't let have, God wants to heal you if you're struggling with that. Don't let it cloud your view of how God works. So what Jesus was saying is, he was talking about parents here who are good parents and saying if they know what they do for their own natural children, how much more so will your heavenly Father provide for you? Amen? Give good gifts to those who ask him. So as a perfect dad, God loves blessing his kids. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 27. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus' famous discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what you're, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than those birds? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So Jesus was talking about, do, do not worry. Now, Jesus wasn't just some kind of, kind of laid-back dude. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> what Jesus was saying, and the reason Jesus could say this about his own life as well, because he had total trust in his Father. And, and worry doesn't actually change anything anyway, does it? It's hum- it is absolutely human nature to worry, isn't it? And to try and want to fix things. Men, men in particular always wanted to fix situations. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's true of all humans. You know, but God doesn't want us to, to kind of fix everything. He just wants us to trust him. Amen? Because otherwise, again, we just become self-reliant. So we're not reliant on God, we're just relying on ourselves. Amen? You know, worry, this, this is a reality, and a hard reality to hear, but it is a reality, and it challenges me. Worry is caused by a lack of trust in God your Father. I'm serious. That's, that is the source of worry, is a lack of trust in God the Father. And this is, this is the point that Jesus was making here. Do not worry. See, see kind of the animals and, and the birds? And they're not worried about all this stuff. So why is it humans that we do worry about all this stuff? God knows what we need. Seek him first. His kingdom and all his righteousness. It says in a few verses later, verse 33 and 34. So kind of my challenge is, do we trust God our Father? Do we trust him? Do we trust him with our lives? Do we trust that our lives are completely safe in his hands and that he will provide? You know, maybe you're in a, in a financial sense, you're going through a real difficult situation right now. Well, one, I'd encourage you to, make God the center of your finances and tithe and do all the other things that we know are scriptural and right and get God involved in your finances. But also to totally trust him. To totally trust him in it. Don't, don't put your trust in the economy. Don't put your trust in benefits. Don't put your trust in, in your job. Amen. God, God is the source of all that we have anyway. Amen. It's not trust in natural provision. That's trust in God's provision. And so much of that natural provision, I, I do believe that as job, jobs are a blessing from God. Jobs are often just a, a means to an end. They're a great place to also reach, reach, you know, reach our world as well. And God can uh, use those opportunities for us to minister into work, colleagues, lives, and all that kind of stuff. But also, often they're just a means to an end, and, and God will provide jobs. It's, it's, a way, it's a form of God's provision. Does that make sense? Okay? Ultimately, it's where our trust is what matters. Is our, is, our, is our trust in God's provision. It's a bit like the same, same with our health, isn't it? I'm, I'm so thankful for we have a national health service. Everything's free at the point of use. It's, it's not obviously pay through tax. It's not actually free, but free at the point of use. And it's a, it's a great system. Is it perfect? No, not necessarily. It's not always perfect, but it's an incredible system. Full of, full of very caring 
full of very caring people who want people to be well. And, you know, I believe it's a blessing. And if you need to go to a doctor, go to a doctor. If you need medicine, that's okay. But don't, just don't put your trust in that. Okay? Because I believe it's a blessing. I don't think it's wrong to do those things, to go to a doctor. Or, but, don't, but if you're putting your trust in them, I think there is a bit of an issue. You know, if you've got to have an operation, pray the surgeons do a great job. But don't put your trust in the surgeons, put your trust in God. Does that make sense? Okay? So it's about where your trust is. And it's the same with, and it's the same with financial provision. God will use natural means to get you financial provision, like jobs. And jobs is the main source of that, isn't it? But just make sure that's not where your trust is. Don't be your trust in the economy. Don't be your trust in your, in, in your bank. Don't be, don't be your trust in the government. Yeah, put, put your trust in God. Amen. But God wants that to outwork in your life, for you to know the Father's provision, to know that your life is completely safe in his hands. I know time's going, so we'll kind of bring, bring this all together. God wants this to be a reality in your life. We know that he's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But he wants you to know him as a father, to know him intimately as a dad. Amen. The Bible says we can call him Abba, Father. The word translated Abba, it's like, not talking about the band, <laughs> infamous 70s band, okay? But they obviously did nick their name from this, okay? It says by talking about Abba, Father, and Abba literally means Daddy. He wants you to know his Daddy as well. He wants you to know, have a close relationship with him. He, he, he is our Father, and he, he loves you, and he loves you perfectly, and he's full of love, he's full of compassion for you. He wants to provide for you, but, and he also wants to discipline you. And give you boundaries and, and help you in that and, and teach you and, and correct you where correction needs to happen. But it's all driven by love. And that's why I started with love. Because it's all driven by that. It's compassion, it's provision, it's discipline. It's all driven by love. And there's different assets we could look at. But those are the four I just wanted to focus on. Let's all stand this morning. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Just going to pray a couple of prayers. I just want to pray for all of you first. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are our Father. Lord, that's just an incredible concept. Lord, and we thank you, Lord. It is a reality, Lord God. It's not just something we know about, Lord. It's a, you want it to be a reality in our lives. I thank you that you love us, your incredible love for us. I thank you for your incredible compassion for us. I thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, you, discipline, Lord, you discipline those that you love. If you never disciplined us or ever corrected us or ever trained us or ever rebuked us or ever put us right or ever stopped us making silly mistakes, Lord, you wouldn't be a father who loved us. Lord, you want to protect us and sometimes protect us from ourselves and the decisions that we can make, Lord God. But thank you, Lord, that you discipline us. Lord, I thank you that you provide for us. Lord, and we just choose, Lord, just to trust you. Lord, we don't want to be full of worry, stress anxiety, worrying about finances or just, just things Lord, in, our, in our world, all the things that the world craves after. Lord, we say, Lord, our trust is completely in you, whether it's our finances, whether it's our health, whether it's our family, whatever the situation, Lord, we know that you will provide. Lord, and we say, Lord, our trust is in you. We thank you for all the blessings we have as a, as a Western country, and we are very blessed in so many ways. Lord, but we don't put our trust in any of that. Lord, our trust is in you. We enjoy the blessings and we're thankful for them, Lord, but that's not where we put our trust and our hope. Our trust and hope is completely in you and in who you are. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, give us a greater revelation. Lord, right now, give us a greater revelation in the week ahead right now and in the week ahead, Lord, give us a greater revelation, Lord, of who you are as our Father. Lord, may we have greater understanding of that, greater, Lord, just, uh, just greater knowledge of that. May it become a reality in our lives in every aspect of who we are. You are our Father, that we are your child, that we are in the family of God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, do what you need to do in us. 
Lord. May we know your love and your compassion, your discipline, your provision in such a real and powerful way. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray a second prayer. And it's an opportunity for anyone who doesn't yet, if you don't yet know God, that you can know God this morning. You can invite God into your life. And you can know what it is to be a Christian. You can know what it is to have the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth and to be in heaven with God uh, forever in his presence. You can know that this morning. And it's all because of the love of God. I mentioned John 3.16 a couple of times, but that's the, it's a crucial verse to the, to the gospel. Gospel just means good news. This is the good news for you this morning, is that Jesus died for you. While you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Son of Man did not come into the world to, to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And, and God isn't judging you this morning. He, want, he wants to save you this morning. He wants you to know what it is to be forgiven and, and, and made whole. You know, or maybe you've just gone off track, and a bit like the prodigal son. You've just made some bad decisions and you've gone off, gone off track and you've done some things that you, that you regret. And that's just, that's just the reality of, of where things are at. God is just waiting for you to come back this morning. He's just waiting at the end of the road. It's there night after night. So is this the day they're coming? Is this the day my son and my daughter's coming back? Because I'm just waiting for them, ready to hug them, ready to have a party when they come back. This is my heart of love and compassion. And that's God's heart towards you. So if that's you as well, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer and God will accept you back this morning and come back into the fold of God. Amen. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me so that I could have life. I ask you now to forgive me, to make me new, to cleanse me. I want you to come into my life. I want you to change me. I want to be more like you. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, whether you've never ever prayed prayer like that or you're just getting things straightened out with God this morning, I just want you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Amen. I'm not going to make, come down the front or anything else, but just raise your hand so I can see it. Thank you. I've seen your hand. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Don't miss your opportunity. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that person who's responded Lord, this morning. Lord, I just pray, God, that they would just know your blessing. They would know your hand upon their life. Lord, you give them such a deep revelation, Lord, that they are your child, that you are their perfect father, that you have such a heart of love and compassion towards them. Lord, thank you, God. Lord, may they just grow deep in their relationship with you, Lord Jesus, knowing that, Lord, that they are your child. Praise you, God. Just, Lord, fulfill your purposes in their life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.